0: Hi everyone, I'm Nina here, and welcome to my Duvet Flip. I'm here with Jack. Really excited to be here, Jack, uh, and to introduce your amazing podcast. Uh, great opportunity to talk to young people about career journeys and um, to share my experience and advice for what it's worth. Um, and looking forward to having a chat, Jack. Here we are.
1: Nina, what a brilliant introduction and thank you to you for giving your time and what I believe is going to be a lot of learnings and lessons today how are
0: we i'm good i probably should have said something about what i do should i kick off yes with that? let's start right. what, what do you do so i'm the executive director for strategy and commercial development at the john lewis partnership now i don't know how many of your listeners will know uh, what the john lewis partnership is but it's a business that owns john lewis the department store chain we've got about 50 34 stores around um around the uk and we sell everything from, you know, garden furniture to pots and pans to underwear. And um, we also own Waitrose, which is a supermarket chain that, um about 350 stores around the UK. And uh, we sell pretty much everything that you'd expect a supermarket to sell. But we focus on quality and, um, you know, good origins for food and supporting farmers and making sure that customers have ethics and quality at the heart of what they eat and buy.
1: I'm really good at Christmas adverts. We like to Really, so. really yeah. good. Did you watch this year? I love it. Yeah. I it was, love it. And
0: we're very proud of that one, actually. We can talk more about that later.
1: Let's do that. So I want to start here, because there'll be a lot of young people, so they're tuning in from Youth Space, which is our internal platform. We're on LinkedIn, so there'll be some of the business community listening in today. Twitter, we don't know who's on Twitter, but it's a bit chaotic over at Twitter at the moment. But where I like to start is, what was your first job? that paid you your first bit of money because I think right now the cost of living and the importance of financial well-being what was your first job that paid you your first bit of money what did it teach you and what is it that special lesson that you can pass on to young people who are in their first jobs maybe just starting their jobs or looking for jobs
0: well I'm going to answer it with two first jobs if I can Um, so my very 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 first job was as a ten-year-old, um, I used to take the number nine bus from Moorgate in the City of London to Mortlake um, in southwest London, where my aunt had a sweets shop and a tobacconist shop at kind of newsagents, and I used to go and help her in the holidays. And she said, you can't come and help me unless I pay you. So I would go there to help out you know, every now and again. And what it taught me was you have to turn up on time. Uh, you have to be polite to customers. You definitely have to be good at maths because you had to calculate in those days the change out of actual cash. Um, There was no swipe and pay. Um, And it taught me a lot of really good first habits about what it takes to actually be at work 9 hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day and be on your feet. So that was a really early lesson in just um, being reliable. Um, And I think that, that kind of set of values has stayed with me for a really long time. Wow. Um, but I graduated to other things. So um, when I left uni, I went to work for a, a business called McKinsey. They are they're an advisory business, and they really help businesses and governments and organisations solve problems. So how can we enter a new market? Or how can we launch a new product? Or our business isn't performing. Can you help us improve it? Can you help us get more customers? So. Um, and it was a global business, so one of the things I really wanted to do was travel the world, and I certainly got my fill of that. Um, but that was, that was a very demanding job, and it's one in which I learnt, really learnt by watching others, um, and we can talk a bit more about that. But the, the, the key things I learnt are, one, take the opportunities as they present them and plunge in, you know, don't overthink it, um, because you're going to learn more by doing than you are by thinking. Um, the second thing I learned was when you're young, you can afford to take some risks, even if you've got pressures on you. Um, and then the third thing I learned is, you know, there's probably no such thing as failure. There's uh, I think it was Queen Victoria who said that's not me. Won't own the quote. But she said something like there's no such thing as failure. There's only success or learning. And I think when you're starting out at work, have a mindset to learn. And that might just be why watching.
1: Wow. So much has gone through my head in terms of just those Two job experiences. I want to start back with the first one. So, you said turning up on time. How does someone really immerse themselves to turn up on time? Because I think that's really important for young people, especially when they're starting their first job. They may not have busy schedules like leaders and how can they practice turning up on time because I remember turning up late once to an interview and then them not seeing me and that opportunity I didn't get so what's your tips to young people to turn up on time because I think that's really important
0: there's some really practical ones I mean I think you know start back with try and give yourself a routine um try and have you know a regular routine because then that helps you plan your day Um, When I'm trying to get somewhere, I probably didn't manage it today, but when I try and get somewhere, I always try and leave myself one extra bus or train or transportation option beyond the one I planned so that if that one goes wrong, I've always got another one. But for important meetings or for starting at work, I always try and arrive early. Try and arrive before you're supposed to be there. That way you can get yourself organised. You can make sure you're not running in breathless to do something. And I think, you know, employers, colleagues... Um, people appreciate you, uh, appreciate you taking the time to turn up on time. That's a sign that you can be depended upon. Um, So I think just give yourself time, make sure you've planned ahead, make sure you're not running in, sort out your bag the night before. All of these are really basic things. I'm sure most of your listeners will do that.
1: Sort out your bag the night before and get ready. Isn't that lovely? Because we sometimes, as young people, we can... You know what, we'll sort it out in the morning and we'll just... Worry then and
0: yeah, and then something else will happen.
1: So, to plan to really get your bag sorted on time, understand where you're going, and then immerse yourself in turning up a little bit earlier not too much. What yeah. was too early?
0: Like an hour before. I would turn up if I had to be somewhere at nine, I'd always plan to be there by about 20 to nine.
1: So, about 20 minutes, yeah. That is cool. That's cool advice because we see a lot of young people go into interviews. And then they'll turn up at two minutes past nine when the interview is at nine or and, and and turning up doesn't also mean turning up physically. it's also turning up
0: mentally mentally Yeah, and I think if you turn up a bit early, you've got time to get your head in order. you've got time to prepare. I mean I you know I used to do a lot of interviewing in, uh, uh, earlier in my career, and I could always tell the people who turned up who got their heads together, maybe made a few notes maybe just thought about what they wanted to say and how they wanted to come across. It really shows, you know. It's a small investment of time to be prepared. And
1: then you also mentioned around how to talk to customers and how to be polite and how to kind of deal with people. How important is communication? Because within seconds of meeting you downstairs, I knew who I was meeting. I was meeting a happy, excited, someone who really wants to empower and support young people and I th- saw that within seconds and I obviously then turned around and said hi hi <laughs> to your PR person but why is that really important in today ha- today's age to look someone in the eye to make them feel the most important person in the room when you're in that situation and what are your advice to young people with communication when a lot of things are done through one word emojis right now?
0: Well, I mean, first of all, I've had lots of different jobs in my life, and we can talk a bit more about that. But in every single one, and they've been quite different, um, learning how to communicate and talk to people and engage with people uh, has been an important part of all of those jobs from the time I started work right up until today, right up until this morning. And I think you you have an opportunity to make a first impression. Um, My advice, and I say this to my daughters as well, by the way, which is be curious, ask questions... Nothing engages other people more than being interested in what they do. Um, and sometimes you don't have to be pressured to say something. Sometimes you can just ask a question and try and understand where other people are coming from. But I think at its most basic level, be polite, be courteous, look people in the eye, uh, be interested. And if you're, if you're doing a job where you don't have a big speaking part or you are, you're part of a group and you're not sure what to do, take good notes. Do you know what I mean? There's lots of things you can do, even if you're not front and center doing something. But be engaged is my advice. Be engaged.
1: Be engaged. And you talked about being curious, and we've had a number of fantastic people to come on and I share know. their story. And eight out of ten, including yourself, as said, be curious so i've gone away and gone online okay let's see if uh, they teach it at uni let's see if they teach that in school let me see if i can find an online lesson to be curious and i i can't seem to find one so what does it mean in your opinion to be truly curious and how do people build the habits so they can become curious because i know it's it, it's easier said than done when You've got this going on, and you you've got money worries, or you you keep getting rejected from jobs. How can someone truly be curious? And how have you been curious in your career?
0: That's a really good point. I've, I've, I'm I'm now going to go look up courses on being curious. They they don't exist, I don't think. But I think a lot of my my habits on curiosity came from being lucky enough to have good teachers and to come from a very big family where, you know, and lots of big family with lots of people visiting, lots of family and friends where you couldn't just sort of sit in a corner and, and not engage, you had to meet people you didn't know. And, you know, your parents would be pretty annoyed if you were not very friendly or, or socially engaged. So I was lucky enough to have that. Not everyone is lucky enough to have those two things. But um, how, how to be curious? Well, I mean, it sometimes just starts with a simple question like, how was your day? Or how do you do what you're doing? or tell me a bit more about what you do on a daily basis. You'll be surprised when you ask people about what they do, how ready they are to talk about it, like me, right? Um, And I think you can learn a lot by just asking people really simple questions. Um, In my more recent work experience, I think asking the question, why? Why do we do this? Why do we do this like this? Um, What else could we do? What are the alternatives? I think these are questions you practice later. But when you first start out, You know, if you're starting out in a new job and, you know, pick pick a colleague, maybe someone you don't know very well, and just say you've been here longer than me. Can you tell me a bit about your job? Can you tell me what your day is like? How did you get into what you were doing? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? You'll learn a lot just from asking those questions.
1: So go from having, and I use the saying, go from having all the answers to all the questions and everything you do.
0: Yeah, well, the older you get, the less you realise you know, so the yeah. more questions you've got to ask. So Absolutely. start early with that
1: practice. So ask the questions, and that will then, in return, help you be more curious. And if you are an introvert, you can prep, can't you? You can prep the questions beforehand, Yeah. because I know a lot of people struggle to... Especially that interview question right at the end that says, so do you have any questions for us?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think preparation is key. Actually, whether you're an introvert or whether you're an extrovert, it's good practice. And I think it's particularly true of people who perhaps have um, a bit nervous about it. So I think always prep. It's good practice. But sometimes you can read around something. You can be prepared by reading something. You can say, well, I read about this and would love to know your thoughts on or, um, I found out this, what do you think about that? Um, so there, there are all sorts of ways of making it easier to ask those questions, but practice with people you know. You can be curious even about people you know well. So joining McKinsey,
1: big world, fantastic organisation, what, what were some of the things, the preconceptions that you had just weren't true entering a job and a corporate job like Mackenzie that you want to pass on to, to kind of break down that anxiety that young people face. What's well, not true when a young person joins a job, but they, they may feel it is?
0: Um, what's not true is that everyone's going to be really intimidating and really clever and really serious and really kind of demanding. I think I was really worried about that. Um, But I found that people were really friendly, really keen to share their learnings, really keen to coach me. That may have been the environment I chose. Um, And I found people to be much more willing to share their experiences uh, than I expected. Um, uh, It was as hard as I expected. Um, And so I I think, you know, work wherever you choose to do it um, is work and it requires attention and it requires focus and, um, there's no getting away from that. And if you want to get the best out of an experience then you kind of have to put yourself in it. Um, so that, I didn't have that preconception, but it certainly was confirmed. Um, and what, was early, hard
1: about it? what was hard about it?
0: Um, so that particular job, because I was doing, as I said earlier, advising, working with teams, like I was the least experienced person, I was the most junior person. So I had to really find my role in a team. Um, what was hard about it was um, the intensity, um, you know, turning up on time was the least of it. Um, but also having to learn really, really quickly and learn by, do, learn by watching. So if I was working with somebody, I would watch what they did, I would watch how they interacted with clients, I would watch how they talked to their teams. I would watch how they coached people, um, how they mentored them. So, you know, it's, a, it's like absorbing a lot. It's like being a bit of a newborn. Do you know what I mean? The small children absorbing lots of information. It felt a bit like that, quite quite intense. Um, how does one, just on that point,
1: because I think this is why we don't give questions, you see, because as you speak, there's one thing absorbing the information And there's one thing using the information to do a good job. So how does one take the information in, work out the bits that they feel is relevant and can be put into practice and then put it into practice?
0: I think I mean, this is true of every every job I've done, whether it's my my first job at McKinsey or British Gas or now at John Lewis, which I'm happy to talk more about. I think you ha- you can't do everything at once, right? You can't fix everything at once. You can't learn everything at once. So pick the habits that you want to improve on and work on those for a bit. So, for example, this is a really simple example. I had, I still have terrible handwriting, terrible handwriting. And when I started work, there were, you know, nobody had a, their own personal laptop. I mean, definitely didn't have a phone. It was all done in handwriting. You had to write stuff and then if you were lucky someone would type it for you. I type mean right. probably, you know, now d- d- betraying how old I am. <laughs> but um, it was quite career limiting for me, my handwriting. And actually one of my one of my partners PAs said, um, your career's gonna be really short if you don't improve your handwriting. Um, it was like simple. She was very blunt and so I thought I'd better improve my handwriting. But for me it was then turned I turned that into how can I write really good notes of these meetings because we need really good notes of these meetings and how can I use that when I'm working with the rest of the team? How can I be the person who does the best summaries or who asks the best questions and, and write, writes, you know, takes the best notes of the, of the answers because we have to do a lot of talking to people? So simple things like that, pick the habit, pick your habit that you want to improve and then focus on that and then move on to the next one because you can't do everything at once. So pick. I like that, pick your habit... But then make it unique to you.
1: Yeah. Because your handwriting weren't that great, but you then Still said, you then said, you know what, how can I be the best at summary?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it would be different today because today I probably wouldn't have to take those notes or I'd, I'd do it differently. But yeah, pick, pick your habit, pick the thing that you want to get good at and that you need practice. I think I can't remember who it was who said, you know, you need to have 21 days working at a habit for it to become a real habit so I think when you're starting out at work you've got to pick those things carefully.
1: And what's a habit that you've recently chosen to work on in 21 days?
0: Um, So I can be a bit of a procrastinator and I can kind of take a long time to get started on something and then if everything isn't perfect around me I can't get started on it. So I give myself an hour, like if I've got to write something, rather than saying, oh, my God, I've got to clear the whole day, spend all afternoon getting my pencil sharpened and, you know, then really sitting down at the laptop. I kind of go, I'm going to have an hour. I'm going to get it done in an hour. And actually, I'm 70 percent of the way there in an hour. And that's probably better than spending all afternoon not getting very far. So that's been a, a long standing habit pick for me.
1: So what gets measured gets done. So you set yourself the hour.
0: Yeah, then I get it done in an hour. And then I give it to somebody else. Like this morning, I wrote something really quickly and I shared it with some colleagues and said, I've had a quick go, let me have your comments, let's improve it and then we can go again. Isn't that cool? And that, that, that can
1: relate to a young person building their CV.
0: Yep.
1: Building their... applying for jobs. Or the interview process, couldn't it?
0: Yep. Yeah. I think sometimes when things feel daunting, you can put them off and you can put them off and you can put them off and then you have very little time to prepare. So I always say, and I say this to my daughters too, start, make make, make a start because by making a start, you have made it less intimidating for yourself. You can just get started.
1: So focus on the start line, not the deadline.
0: Well, that's a really good way. I must remember that actually. There you go. (laughs) I'm going to take that (laughs) away with me.
1: And why do you think... Right now, across the country, and we're getting it in, in masses, young people are lacking confidence, they're feeling anxious, and they are worried and scared to make that start. Why do you think we've got to that stage? And what do you think, and this is more for the LinkedIn community, the CEOs, the partners, and the leaders listening in, what can they do? to make it easier for young people?
0: Well, I think, you know, the last three years have been extraordinary. We've I've run out of superlatives, extraordinary, unprecedented. You know, I started, actually, I started in my current job at John Lewis a month before the pandemic. I started in February, about my th- third year anniversary was this Monday. Started in February and about a month later, we had to temporarily close our John Lewis shops because of the lockdown. Um and you know, barely knew where the loose were in the building. so and it's been it's been a real roller coaster for the last three years, and I think for young people particularly, the lockdown, the war in Ukraine, cost of living, everything at climate, the climate crisis, all of these things have created, I think, real anxiety in young people about the future. and of course, many, many young people had to start jobs or had to finish an education and make a transition right at the start or in the middle of lockdown. And that, I think, has been really challenging for people. I think people have lost confidence. Forget about young people. I, I think all of us have faced anxiety and stress as a result. And I think it's very difficult. It's very difficult to start a new job anyway. Imagine starting a new job when you either it's been removed or you have to do it remotely or you don't start with people. So I think that's been really, really hard. And I think all the data shows that there's a sort of heightened level of anxiety Amongst young people, but what can we as business leaders do? Um, I think first of all, I mean, more things like this to make to make the thing, the roles that we're in and the journeys we've taken more accessible to people. Because I think, as you put it, focus on the start line, not the not the deadline. Yeah. I think helping people think about how they might get started is really important. And then some of the things like some of the things that businesses are doing that we're doing, for example, creating opportunities for people. So apprenticeships. You know, we've got apprenticeships at John Lewis that range from finance to fishmongering, you know, the whole range, um, you know, we're, we're taking people from who are care experienced, care leavers, who are some of the most disadvantaged groups and trying to create, um, trying to give them what they need, help, supporting organisations to give them what they need, because it's really hard for those groups to get into the world of work. So I think it's those sorts of things, making, opening up the doorway, as it were, and making us more accessible.
1: We're going to take a break. And after the break, we're going to talk a bit about John Lewis and opening those doorways.
0: Okay, great.
1: And we'll be back in a moment. So, Nina we're back with a second half I've got a cup of tea my second cup yeah
0: I'm not trying I'm trying not to have any spills so I I'll know leave
1: you that yeah it's taken a couple of episodes to get it right you see so how to hold it <laughs> where it's not too hot we've got we've got a question in and this is one of the questions that we'd like to kind of hear from you what do employers need to do to help young people build their confidence that's
0: a great question yeah um, I'd say there are a few things. I think the first is to really understand and empathise with the context that that young person is coming from. I would say this is true of anyone, by the way, but I think it's particularly true of young people who may be less experienced at work. So really understand the circumstances they're in, what their home circumstances are. Are they caring for somebody? Are they living alone? Um, do they have you know particular domestic difficulties? Do they have a really long journey to work? So understanding that can help you as an employer be more thoughtful about where that person is coming from and therefore what might affect their state of mind, however well prepared they are, however on time they are when they turn up. That's the first thing. I think the second is, and this is my own experience, is um, take the time to coach and give feedback. I think a lot of people, whether they're young or old, experienced or less experienced, need to know that what they're doing is on the right track or when they've done something really well or where in fact they can improve it. And I think that is the biggest gift you can give a person that's starting out in their job and is young and is inexperienced so take the time to give that feedback um, and actually ask them what they need sometimes when you ask if you're curious what do you need Jack to be at your best uh, you might get an answer you didn't expect so let's start with those
1: I like I like that a lot I want to I want to flip those questions from a young person's point of view
0: yeah
1: when a young person's receiving feedback how can they do it with grace Especially if it's feedback that they may not want to hear?
0: I think the most important thing to do when you're being given feedback, or when you've asked for feedback actually, and you should ask for it, um, is first of all to say thank you because someone's taking time to give you feedback and perspective on how you might improve. Um, And actually, don't feel the need to respond very quickly. Just say thank you, take it away, think about it, maybe go back to the person and say, I've thought about your feedback. And I'm going to try this. And when I try this, can you please observe and give me some feedback as to when I'm doing the thing that you, know, you said I might do more of or less of or whatever. So almost create a little contract between you and the person giving you the feedback so that they said and you tried it and you, you're getting more feedback as a result.
1: So like but a trust thank contract.
0: Yeah. yeah, but thank you, I think, is a good place to start.
1: Isn't that important? And yeah. that little thank you can go a long way yeah. because that individual then may and will understand that you respect their feedback and will want to help you more. Yeah. And they become part of your kind of, your success, your sponsorship, don't they, in terms of wanting you to succeed in a meaningful way. Yeah. And how does a young person open up to their employer who is not feeling confident, but are worried that it may affect their job, it might affect their ability, abilities, which it won't, I believe, but how do they go about opening up
0: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would start with, if it was me, I would start with, I really want to do my job better. So this is what I'd like some help with, or what training opportunities are available, or I really like the look of that job there and I want to get there. How can I get there? Um, But I think if you start with wanting to do your job better, no employer is going to avoid that conversation because why wouldn't they want you to do that?
1: Yeah, so you put, it, you put it back on the employer. Well, you have a shared <laughs> conversation. Go, yeah. a I conversation. want to be better for you. Help me be better. Yeah. It's a, then there's actually both parties win, yeah. if you want to look at it like that. I think that's a lovely way to actually put it. I want to do my job better. This is my challenge. What can I do? What is your opinion?
0: Yeah.
1: And that's then where the feedback comes in. Say thank you for the feedback. Yeah. Reflect on it. Come back and create that. Trust contract and that feedback loop.
0: Yeah, and try and take action on the feedback. So you know, there's nothing more annoying than when you give someone feedback and then they haven't done the, they haven't attempted to address the thing you talked about. Then they come back for more feedback and you go, right, let's let's agree the scope. Let's let's agree what you might want to work on, how I can help you. Then let's go go and give it a go. Maybe it's a new habit. Uh, Pick your habit and then try it. Get feedback and go again.
1: Yeah, again, it goes back to your point around start line and starting. Yeah. Amazing. So I want to talk a little bit about what your, what John Lewis is doing for the community at the moment. I would love to hear the fantastic stuff that you're doing for local communities, the community you serve, and all your stakeholders. What 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 are some of the things that are taking place at John Lewis at the moment that you're so proud of?
0: Well, I'd just start by saying, actually, John Lewis is a really unusual organisation. I don't know how many of your listeners will, will know this, but John Lewis is a business that's owned by its employees. We call them partners. So I'm a partner. Um, all, all of our um, 80,000 or so partners are stakeholders in the business. And that's quite important because it means that it's our business that, that we're talking about. Um, and we have a purpose, which is working in partnership for a happier world. And that might just sound like words, but, but we really are committed to increasing happiness in the world in which we're in. Um, and then that takes us to community. So of course. The first community are the partners who are owners of the business and, you know, retail is a very challenged sector right now, very, uh, you know, affected by inflation, affected by, affected by and affecting the cost of living. Um, You know, the the pandemic hasn't helped. So, you know, retail is an exciting and dynamic sector, but it's under lots of pressure. So we have to work hard to keep our partners, our employees motivated um, through quite a difficult time. So that's one community. Um, of course, all of our shops and our distribution centres um, exist in local communities and um, we do have very local efforts uh, and we contribute locally through our shops to local charitable causes. So each of our stores has the opportunity to make a difference locally. We contribute to food banks, we support charities, um, food-related charities um, uh, like Fair Share and the Trussell Trust and we also support... Charities that that support people in their home lives, like home stars, and you might know that we we've taken a, a big stand on people who are in and who leave the care system, a very disadvantaged uh, group of people who frequently end up with no support, and we've, we believe that that is an area that we can shine a light on and and begin to help and create opportunities for so um, you know those are those are some of the efforts that we that we engage in, in the community. And of course, we also think about our suppliers, um, be they in the UK or around the world. We, you know, we supply our food and our, the goods we sell in our department store from, from all over the world. And so we have farms and suppliers in other countries that we support with um, you know, schools and clinics and community support. But in the UK, um, you know, in the last couple of years, um, suppliers have really struggled with the pandemic and also with energy costs going up in particular. So we've supported um, people who produce eggs, we've supported pig farmers, we've invested over £50 million actually in our supply base to ensure that those businesses that produce really, really high quality food are able to continue to supply us because we know that we're, in the case of Waitrose, we're promising quality value, you know, value with values, food to feel good about, all of that, comes also in part because we support those communities so it's a really broad uh, when we talk about community we, we take that really really broadly and of course our customers as well um so I mean, why do you do all that because,
1: why yeah but why why should businesses and why should young people join a business that does some fantastic work but wh- why why do it where's why, why does it make sense to do all that
0: well, I'll say personally, you know, when I, when I joined the partnership three years ago, I had lots of choices, but I chose to join the partnership because it's a different kind of business. It, I believe it's a better way of doing business. Um, and so that, that means something to me. But I think, and I know that a lot of, we do a lot of research at John Lewis, as you might expect, market research, customer research. And what we're seeing is that both employees and customers want businesses to do more than just sell them a product or a service. They actually care about what sits behind all of that. Um, Are we responsible employers? Are we responsible businesses? And more than ever, the kind of purpose of a business makes a difference. And I think that's particularly true of young people. I mean, I've got got two daughters in their 20s, and I watch the way they make decisions about where do I want to work? Where do I want to buy? Do I want to buy this? Do I want to buy it from this business? Um, Would I rather... Buy it from somewhere else because I believe in the values and the way in which they treat their employees. So I think making really good choices about um, businesses you believe in, employers you believe in, who you think are doing right by their communities, not because it's going to make them money, but because it's the right thing to do. I happen to believe that doing the right thing is also good business. And I think as a partnership, we demonstrate that every day.
1: So it makes business sense. And more need to emerge on the journey to do good business, to make business sense.
0: Yeah, well, every business has its own choices. Our choice is that we don't, and in fact, we we choose not to make maximum profit. We choose to make sufficient profit to do good. That's quite different from other businesses.
1: So share a little bit about what you feel right now in terms of what's your message to young people, uh, colleagues, people across the country what is your message what have, what have been your key moments in your career across all your career whether it's at uh, McKinsey John Lewis uh, British Gas all the different places that you've worked what have been your key moments that have really made you stand up and go I'm never going to forget that and I'm going to pass that life lesson on
0: hmm. um God, i made, I, made lot, I made enough mistakes to have plenty of things to learn from. I, th- I think the sort of, to, to take your last point, what have been my two or three big life lessons from all of that experience it has been very varied. Um, I've had, you know, three at least three different careers. I plan to have a few more if I can manage it. Um, but I think the first lesson I would say is when you don't know what you want to do or even if you do, create options and choices for yourself because life touch wood or touch something, is going to be long. And therefore, you might have to change course, you might have to try new things, but always create choices for yourself. Because if you have choices, then whatever you end up doing, you will have made that choice yourself. And, you know, for me, that's been a really important life lesson. And when I left McKinsey, I created choices. When I left British Gas, I created choices for myself. And choices doesn't just have to mean another job alternative. It can mean I've done a project that has given me a bit more experience alongside my job. I've done some volunteering work. I've worked with a charity to learn something. I've, you know, tutored a child in a particular subject or I've done a summer job or, you know, you can create choices by finding experiences that um, sit alongside your main thing. Um, So always create choices. And I think the second thing is, um, my own personal lesson is... um, take calculated risks, Um, you know, and particularly when you're young, you can probably take more risk than you think you can. Um, And, you know, my own experience has been that I've, I've worried about the risks much more than I should have. And I probably would have done some things differently, but I would say take more risk.
1: And how do you define if something is a risk? And how do you then decide to take that first to start? on that risk?
0: Um, Well, every every person's circumstances are different and every person's um, appetite for risk is different, right? Like mine is different from my husband's, Um, you know, mine will be different from yours. So I think spend some time understanding what is a risk for you. And then, you know, really good piece of advice, don't change everything at once. So, you know, when I was thinking about job changes a couple of times, somebody said to me, look, you can, you, you've got the job you do, the industry you're in, the country you're in. Try not to change all three at once. So you could change your job, but then try and stay in the same country, in the same industry. You could change the industry, but then, you know. So, so fig, don't, don't, don't take on too many risks at once. Pick the one you're going to take. Um, and understand, ask yourself, what would you do if it all went wrong? And the, and, and the what's the worst that can happen question is a good question to keep asking yourself. Because the what's the worst that can happen is very, very unlikely. Um, but if you sort of face it, you can uh, be more confident in the step you're going to take. So
1: when deciding whether to make change in a job, if you've gone into a job, make sure that you only change one of the three so the country you're in or the city you're or in the or, the city, or, the, or the town yeah. the city yeah. or the town that you're in to the industry you're in and you could be in you could work for the same company but do a different sector yeah. within that yeah. or a different job within or that or a different company. job yeah. Yeah. or the job Yeah. isn't that great advice
0: i've not always followed it mind you but
1: <laughs> have you what happened when you did two out of the three or three out <laughs> of the hard work
0: well when I, when I left McKinsey to go and do a job at British Gas, I'd never run a business, a service business with lots of like 2,000 men and women in vans fixing stuff. I'd never done that before. So I stayed in the UK. with a new job in a new sector. And that was enough. Um, you know, if I try and do that in another country, I probably would have fallen flat on my face. So I think, you know, I, I think you've got to take calculated risks. And by the way, know who your support network is. Um, ask for advice, talk to people and say, I'm thinking of doing this, what do you think? What's a support network? What's my support network? Or what's a support network? What is a support work
1: network? Um, and how did you build one?
0: I think um support network is the people you trust who are going to, first of all, tell you the truth, really important, um, but be caring about you. Um, and sometimes they aren't always people who know you really well. Sometimes you need advice from people who don't know you very well so they're not carrying all your baggage um and they're not they're not thinking about you from too close you know too close to you um how did i my support network is well first of all my really really close family so no one's going to tell you the truth more than your mum and um and my husband and i remember when you know when i was switching between one job and the next i think my husband said something like you're becoming a bit boring which is really nice thanks darling um but I think, I think really close family and friends who will have your interests at heart, but also be able to tell you the truth. Um, I think the second is people you've worked with who have a particular view of you. Because one of my experiences is that when you ask people, what do you think of this or what do you think I could do? You often get an answer you don't expect because you never asked. So I think it's worth thinking like I think about, Circles, the like circle closest to me, then the circle a bit further out and then the circle really far out. But that close circle, really important. Close family, close friends, people who work with you and know you.
1: I always say it's the, those who you trust and and who they trust. Yeah. Is Yeah,
0: it's a good way of thinking about it?
1: To kind of build your network. And what is it important for a young person to get out there ask the questions build their network put themselves in the deep end take those risks while having a smile on their face
0: well you can only ever know what you know right i'm i'm limited by my life experiences by the people who are closest to me but I, you know, like even today, we've had this conversation, I've taken away a few things just from the questions you've asked me, because I've had to think about the answers. So I think you learn when you engage and you get out there. So I think, you know, maybe have a little practice for yourself to say, right, every day I'm going to talk to somebody I don't know. Could be just at the coffee machine, could be at the bus stop, could be in a shop, could be anywhere. Just talk to somebody I don't know uh, and engage more than you might normally, because you never know what you might learn.
1: To so speak to someone you've never spoken to before.
0: Yeah, it's good practice, anyway.
1: That is good. And my final question oh is: wash your duvet flip? What gets you out of bed in the morning to flip that duvet?
0: I'm going to take two duvet flips, if okay. I may. So my first duvet flip is my family. I mean, I've you know my lovely husband, and my two my two daughters. Um, they say you're only as happy as your least happy child. So for me, it's my kids. Uh, they're wonderful, and if they're happy, I'm happy, and that does keep me. That really does keep me going. Um, and then my professional duvet flip, if you will, is the people I work with. And at you know, John Lewis Partnership, we've got 80,000 people. And um, if I can make a difference for them and for our customers, then that's good enough for me.
1: And is that by solving problems?
0: Yeah, I do like a good problem to solve. That is my thing. That's my USP. So I'm so glad you said that because we've got a problem over government
1: that needs <laughs> solving right <laughs> now. We'll leave it I'm there. I'm quite busy. <laughs> thank you, Jack. And on that note, I just want to say thank you so much for your time, your energy, and your kindness.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: And for everyone who's listening today, what a fantastic episode this has been. We've talked about a number of things. Getting out there, getting your first bit of experience, whether that's going to work in your auntie's shop. But remember, know how to, to, uh, to calculate those uh, pound coins. But when you are turning up, turn up on time. And I think that's really important when you're starting out. Yes, you might see a leader who may not turn up on time, but they've got busy schedules. You turn up on time because your schedule is not as busy. But when you do turn up time, don't be an hour early. About 20 minutes is what we need to see. And turn up with a big smile on your face. We've also talked about, you know what, being curious. And how does someone be curious? Well, you ask the questions. Start with the simple questions. And over time, your questions will get a little, little bit more smarter. But ask those questions and that will help you be curious and find out and figure out things that you never knew before. We've also talked about starting. Don't worry about the deadline, but the start line and taking those calculated risks is really important. And you may not know it's a calculated risk, and you might fall flat on your on your backside. But you know what? That is okay because, like that Queen once said, Victoria. I think it was you, her. Yeah. Well, it's your now. It's your na, Nina's. It, Nina. It's. You do not fail, you either win or you learn. And I think that's really important to understand because at the end of the day, you have to experience it in your, way, your own way. If you are feeling lack of confidence, you can go and speak to your line manager, you can speak to a colleague. Ask them this question, how do I be better in my job? How can I improve? And that should open so many opportunities for you. And when you are given feedback, feedback is a gift. Remember, if you don't have an answer, you don't have to respond, just say thank you. Go away and reflect. Take that moment, but return back saying, I thought about that and this is what I'm going to do. And most importantly, learn how to communicate with people. Look people in the eyes, smile. But re- remember, at the end of the day, it all starts with you getting out of bed, making your bed flipping that duvet and surrounding yourself by speaking to someone new every day. Until next time, we'll speak to you soon.